It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. How are you? Yes, Mary Walter, sitting in for Brian Kilmeade with you today. I'm so happy to be here later this hour, we're going to be joined by Brad Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State. There is a lot going on in Georgia, and with all of this going on, he's also running a re-election campaign at the same time. So a lot of questions for Brad Raffensperger coming up later this hour. Right now, though, we kick it off with Fox News correspondent Griff Jenkins. Griff, thank you for joining me. Hey, Mary. It's great to hear from you and sitting in for Brian. Uh, no shortage of news on this Monday morning, that's for sure. You're kidding. You, it, did, did Congress come up with some kind of infrastructure bill and some kind of budget <laughs> by any chance? Well, you know, I, I was uh, doing the Washington reporter duty yesterday, and I had a little bit of fun because, uh, you know, we had uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer come out, Mary, at about 12.15 to the Senate floor. And remember, we were so lucky that our lawmakers gave up an actual weekend to work all the way through it, Saturday and Sunday. Imagine oh that. Oh, my gosh, so the horror. Was, here was Schumer on the Senate floor saying that the text of the finalized infrastructure bill is imminent. And then we waited for more than six hours for one to come. So I'm not sure exactly what the current definition of imminent is or what the behind-the-scenes delay was. But either way, they finally got it. They unveiled it, obviously, on the Senate floor. And it comes in in a whopping 2,700 pages, $1 trillion in spending laid out over eight years. Um, and we'll be talking about the numbers. You know, it does have $110 billion for roads and bridges, $39 billion for public transit, $66 billion for railways. And these are things that Republicans got on board with, right? Of course. Uh, the problem we're headed for, and, and again, you're you're going to get you're going to be tortured with hours and hours and hours of debate over countless amendments from both Republicans and Democrats this week on this bill. But the significant takeaway to what happened last night was in the speech when Schumer introduced the bill on the floor, he said, as soon as we do this, we will immediately move to the budget reconciliation bill. That is the $3.5 trillion spending package that includes everything from climate change to child care that Republicans are universally against. And so if they can't pass that in the Senate, Speaker Pelosi has consistently said that she will not take up either in the House, where the bills go next after the Senate, uh, if it doesn't come as a, a, a total package, both bills. So I think we're headed in for a very dramatic August. <laughs> it's, I, I just I just can't with any of this because every time we hear it, it's every time they do something like this, we always hear it's this huge, long, ridiculously complicated bill and they don't have enough time to read it like it sneaks up on them. Christmas is the same time every year. It should never sneak up on anyone just like this. This happens regularly. How are they continually surprised at the arrival of, oh, we need a budget? How does this happen? And then it's always so big and, and thrown in the last minute coming in under the wire that no one has any time to read it. How does that continually happen? 
Listen, you put your finger on it, and you and I uh, have been around this business for uh, many years and, and realized that, you know, back in the 90s, we would hear about a crisis in the Senate, uh, a deadline looming. But really, our, our lawmakers operate in a state of crisis pretty much all the time. Every deadline is looming. Every uh, crisis is narrowly averted as they approach it. And, you know, we would otherwise have had a budget ceiling hit us in July, but uh, the numbers really uh, – uh, suggest that we don't have a problem until October. But, you know, they're going to work on it. And what what I think is fascinating, what's unique this time, Mary, is yesterday we had uh, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, talking uh, on the Sunday shows saying that, hey, it's great the Senate has a bipartisan uh, infrastructure bill, but if they send that over to us without the $3.5 trillion package that we want, then we are going to kill it, and we in the Progressive Caucus have enough to, to kill it you know, dead on arrival. And so that's very, very fascinating, and it also would hurt the Democrats' plan to move forward with the budget reconciliation bill without Republicans. Right. And we know that Kristen Sinema has said she does not support the three and a half trillion dollar reconciliation bill. Right. And we're not sure Joe Manchin does. And, you know, this is uh, this is going to be really the focus. Uh, it's, it's like we're taking for granted this one point two trillion dollar uh, bipartisan bill, but but its fate hangs in the balance of the one that we know the real fight's coming. It's like the undercard fight in a, bo- a night of boxing. And uh, uh, no one really, truly knows sort of where. Uh, it stands right now because we don't fully know what we're getting uh, in the three and a half trillion dollar package. And we're not going to know till after it's passed and they start rolling it out and then people go, oh, well, that was in that was in the reconciliation bill or that was in the infrastructure bill. We're no one's going to know. And they're voting for this. We had Republicans who voted to move this along without the text even being written. That's right. And, you know, the Republican opposition, because they were worried that amnesty was going to work its way into these 2,700 pages, and we'll see. We're, we're going to get, you know, uh, everything from uh, from budget scores to the, the, the staff, uh, particularly Republicans that will dig into it and find things they don't like. But at the end of the day, I think the the um, the the number of amendments offered that we're going to get that may get voted on and pass and get added to it is going to be the focus of of, of what we're fighting about in uh, in the Senate this week. Well, from what I understand, you know, you had mentioned that AOC said that they are not going to vote for the three and they will they don't support the three and a half trillion dollar reconciliation bill. But I read that that was because if it does not contain amnesty, they will not vote for it. But Kristen Cinema has already said, well, I'm not voting for this. So they don't have enough votes to do to uh, have um, Kamala Harris cast the deciding vote to just pass it on just a, uh, a simple majority. So they don't have that as of right, right. now. And, and if it doesn't contain amnesty, which the, I can't imagine, although who knows, I would say I can't imagine the Republicans would let that pass, but they seem to let me down on, on an alarming rate. So they could put it in there. And that's apparently the only way uh, AOC and the squad are going to vote for this. Well, and you, you know, you lay out a very significant 
uh, obstacle that that uh, they the Democrats may have. And and you know again, remember we've never had. Uh, uh, perhaps as narrow of margins as we have now, right? It's a, a, right. a zero margin in the Senate, essentially, and about nine, eight or nine votes in in the House. And the 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 math has to add up, right? We always talk about the math in the Congress. Right. And so, if you look at like an AOC that wants to kill something, and say. Six of her progressive uh, uh, members are against it, but you find a handful of Republicans. I mean, there's different ways to get to the wrong math, if you will, to kill these things. And so we're 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 not only a long ways away from finding out whether it's going to survive. We're looking at uh, a minefield of obstacles from both sides of the aisle to get anything through. And I would also assume with 22 coming up, you probably have quite a few Democrats who are running for reelection who are um, in states where it's kind of purple. They're they're in one of those those states that it could go either way. So they're they're kind of middle of the road Democrats. You know what Joe Biden told us he was. So they're not going to want amnesty in the bill because they know that's going to anger their Republican constituents and a lot of the independents as well. And I think there's a lot of d- more moderate Democrats that don't want that either. But then if they don't put it in, then you have the far left part of the party that is that is pushing this. How much time do they have to work this out? Well, you're already seeing them uh, uh, project, you know, well, you know, we're really not expecting final votes on, on everything, meaning the, the, the larger $3.5 trillion package married to the infrastructure uh, $1 trillion deal. We're not expected to really get votes on that until the fall, right? So they're trying to pad themselves out. But, you know, you bring out you, you bring up uh, 2022, which is very significant because, you know, in the negotiators that did this, remember, was a bipartisan uh, a team of negotiators from Kirsten Sinema for the Democrats, but then you also had like people like Rob Portman, right, from Ohio, Republican, retiring, and he's out there uh, uh, last night saying this is great for the American people and all that stuff. Well, if it bears out things like amnesty or other uh, uh, warts, as we call them here, that one party doesn't like, then they're going to make an election uh, uh, issue out of it and say, well, you know, that's why we had the Republican Republicans sell out on us, and and you're going to see the more conservative Republicans really take a harder line in the sand. Let's since we're talking about amnesty, which of course that is the the Democrats' dream, and they want to get those people citizenship by 22 because they know that a lot of their policies are not popular with the American people, with the people who should be voting. Um, you you just saw drone footage today on Fox that came from uh, Bill Melligan, who is a national correspondent, and this they had to use a drone. And it's the largest group of immigrants, migrants, illegals that they have ever seen being held by Border Patrol. They're being held under a bridge in Mission, Texas. It's upwards of a thousand people. Uh, At this point, why don't they just open the border? I mean, seriously, I don't mean to be, you know, sound flipping about it. But at this point, why just not open? Why not just open it and just save us taxpayers some money and just let them walk in? 
You know, Mary, I'm glad you brought this up because I did a couple of hits for Fox and Friends this morning to try and yes. put it in perspective. Now, that footage shot by Fox's drone camera that's with our great reporter Bill Malusian down there in the RGV, I have spent more than two dozen times under the Ansel Dewis Bridge. It has been for decades, dating back to before George W. Bush, a main crossing point in the RGV sector. They cross the river. There's even signs between the river and the bridge pointing migrants to go to that area. And that footage is footage that the administration doesn't want out there because it shows the undeniable humanitarian and national security crisis at our border. But what I did this morning is I pulled back to a March 12th photo underneath that same bridge that had hundreds, not thousands, but hundreds of migrants, and we broke that story that was leaked to me by an agent that wanted them to, that wanted the public to know that we have a crisis on the rise in March. So now more than four months later, every single day, they begin getting slammed in that same spot in the RGV. I released with a confidential source in the Border Patrol that gave me the last 24 hours, right, meaning the footage you saw under that bridge, the entire sector, RGV, there were 3,002 encounters. That's an increase 3, of... Of 600, it's a 655% increase compared to last year. And I asked my source to add up the total weekend. We looked at the actual computer numbers. In the weekend total, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, in that same area where the bridge is, 8,144 migrants illegally crossed. Now, to give it even more perspective, the chief in that sector, Chief Brian Hastings, tweeted over the weekend, uh, the days of line watch operations are far and few between. Last week's apprehension stand at more than 21,000. That is an admission to me, Mary. It's a stunning tweet to see that the days of line watch on operations are over because it's saying that they have so many agents that are off the line that aren't right on our border. They're spending all their time transporting and processing migrants that they can no longer fully execute that fundamental duty to protect the border. And when you say, you know, just declare it open borders, you're not going to get that, I don't think. But one thing is for sure, when the chief is getting overwhelmed in these visuals we see, in these Mm -hmm. numbers and stats we can show you, he's willing to say – the days of line watch operations are far and few between. That's troubling. That should concern every American. Add to it, and this is my last point, the fact that uh, I reported the 900% increase in COVID-positive migrants in that area. You have an absolute crisis and really an emergency right now down there. Yeah, it, it, What is happening is, is just unbelievable, but Democrats have been planning this for decades and Republicans are surprised. They're like, wait, how is this happening? Like, the Democrats have been planning this for decades. And that's why that's why they want amnesty in this bill, because you will never if they get it, you will never see another Republican president, at least in my lifetime, easily. Then they've been planning this. They want one party rule. And Republicans have been asleep at the switch for this whole thing. Griff, thank you for the reporting you do. I see you all the time on the border. I'm sure your wife <laughs> never sees you. You probably have the best marriage I know. Um, <laughs> you can't fight if you don't see don't each why, other. <laughs> I don't know why she still puts up with me. But, Mary, it's great to be on with you. And, you know, I hope to get back to the border soon because it's a story that really matters right now. Oh, absolutely. Griff Jenkins. Thank
Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I just want to throw it out to you quickly. 866-408-7669 on, on what uh, Griff was saying about what's happening with the infrastructure bill, the rec- the budget bill, budget reconciliation, and uh, what's happening on our border. This is all one big plan. This all ties in together. And maybe I'm wrong, but I think the Democrats have been have had this planned out for decades. They were just waiting for the right moment. They saw it with Trump. And if it wasn't for Georgia, none of this would be happening right now. Speaking of which, Brad Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State, will be joining us in about uh, 15 minutes on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. Let's go right to Cheryl joining us in Syracuse, New York. Cheryl, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi. Good morning, Mary. You wanted to talk about the the migrants and, and how you had to have a COVID test? Yeah. So I'm just saying I am a conservative Republican American citizen, and I am vaccinated. I recently traveled to Greece. I was required to, you know, there's many papers that were necessary for us to go into Rome and into Greece. But when we returned to the United States, we were required to have a negative COVID test, even though we were vaccinated and were a U.S. citizen. 72 hours prior to, we had to pay for and show that proof when we arrived in the airport. But yet, we have thousands and thousands of illegal immigrants coming across the southern border, no tests, no vaccines, getting spread out across the country, and we're being told that we have to wear a mask to stop the spread. And for the White House spokesperson to say that PPE is provided, they're told they have to wear a mask. It's interesting that personal responsibility is something that they allow them to have, but not a U.S. Support. 
Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. You know, amen. I'm so glad you shared your story because this is happening all over. I hear it all over. I hear this argument being made. You are not the only one saying this. And the administration just doesn't deal with it. They don't even they, they don't even talk about it because the problem is, and I was going to say this to Griff, but we ran out of time. Cheryl, thank you. But the problem is, is that, you know, if it's if it's just Fox News and a handful of others that are pointing this out, if you only consume, you know, the propaganda, state run propaganda on CNN and MSNBC and The Washington Post, and The New York Times, you don't know this is happening. They have no clue. They don't see and, and they have no idea. And, and again, put and not only do these people get on planes without a covid test they get on planes without ID. And I'm willing to bet that Cheryl had to show her ID in order to get on that plane, in order to get back to the United States. She probably had to show her passport, not just an ID, a passport in order to do that. But see, this is what happens when you get an authoritarian government. You have favored classes of citizens. And guess what? You're not in that favored class. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger next on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. No, it's Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade today, and I'll be with you tomorrow as well. And it's great to be here with you. I really, um, really enjoy it. Uh, and as I told you, also with us right now, Brad Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State. Sir, thank you for joining me on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I have so many questions for you, so I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> Good morning, Mary. So now you are tangling with the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland. You have filed a motion to dismiss a lawsuit from the DOJ. Uh, They're suing you because of Georgia's election laws. They want to overturn that new integrity law that everybody lost their minds over uh, for no reason whatsoever. It was just it's just total PR uh, from from the left, from the Democrats. So what is happening here? What did he what did he sue you? over what does he find so egregious in your new voter law well first off uh, he did care for the 11 day uh, absentee ballot threshold that we used in other words we have a voting absentee ballot timeline but you have to request your absentee ballot 11 days before election day and that lines up with arizona's 11 days indiana's 12 days other states have 15 days we want to make sure that absentee ballot uh, voters get their ballot, and if they before they could request it all the way up to Friday. So we put in good measures like that. We also added drop boxes for the very first time, and we wanted to make sure that there was no electioneering within the 150-foot zone, and that really follows just like they have in New York, Minnesota, Delaware, California, all have these 100-foot, 150-foot uh, zones of no electioneering. What we had were candidates that were coming inside, and you could tell with the T-shirts that they were actually 
trying to not just give them a bottle of water, but electioneer in that zone. So things like that, uh, we know that we're going to prevail, uh, we believe, on every single point already. The Arizona ruling that came out in the Bonovich case, the Supreme Court upheld that ballot harvesting should be or can be illegal, and it is illegal in Georgia. And we put that in place a couple years ago. And out-of-precinct voting, that was in SB 202. Uh, that follows the Arizona law and the Florida law, and that will be upheld also. You know, it's interesting because the whole electioneering thing, uh, I'm from New Jersey. That's that's a law here, too. Everybody knows that. So why is he targeting your state? It's hypocrisy. If you look at what we've done with our bill, we've added early voting. And right now, with our early voting, we have 17 days. New York has nine days. Delaware, as it does right now, today has zero. Next year, they'll get 10 days. And then in New Jersey, Stacey Abrams, I guess that's her gold standard, said nine days in New Jersey was being praised by her. And so we have 17 days. So when you look at it, we're held to a different standard than all these other blue states. It's hypocrisy at the highest order. It sounds like lawfare is what it sounds like, that they're just going to. And let's face it, Merrick Garland has a huge axe to grind with Republicans. So, Well, obviously he does. It's not my axe. My job is to make sure we have fair and honest elections. And if you look at Stacey Abrams, she lost this election for governor back in 2018, and she's still been running that same scam that she's been doing. You know, making lots of money, obviously, it's been very profitable for her and her allies. But if you look at the end of the day, we have fair and honest elections in Georgia. We want to make sure we have the appropriate guardrails at SB 202 where common sense measures put into place to do that. And, and, and it is popular, of course, I'm sure you've seen all the polls, where it crosses party lines that people think having to present an ID to vote is a good idea. That's popular with the majority of Americans. But when you see when you see, you know, corrupt elections and all that type of thing start to make its way into a country, it's usually at the hands of the minority. It's never at the hands of the majority. When you see these socialist Marxist authoritarian movements start to happen, it's never the majority. It's the silence of the majority that allows them to happen. So I'm glad to see that you're fighting back because it is hypocritical. And I think it's lawfare. That's me personally. And they're just they're just harassing the Republican-led states uh, as a payback because Merrick Garland doesn't like Republicans. He thinks he should be on the Supreme Court. And all of this makes me really glad that he's not. Uh, also, out of the DOJ, they they warned last week, they warned states that um, if you want to roll back your COVID-era voting procedures, remember everything was, well, COVID, COVID, it was just a free-for-all of voting. And a lot of those changes were put in place, not through the state legislatures as required by law, but by a secretary of state or someone who was in charge of elections or by a governor or on local levels. And um, they now the DOJ wants those changes back to pre-COVID rules, go, go through them first, and they get to approve or deny them. Isn't that federalization of our elections? Well, they're way off base. Last year, when the governor declared a state of emergency, then we had the state election board put in some emergency measures just for the pandemic, and they all expired on January 1st, actually the day that we finished the runoff race for the senatorial race. And so when we put in absentee ballot drop boxes, that was an emergency measure. This year, the General Assembly came back and put in drop boxes, but they looked at what we, what do we want to do? Last year, we had 139 of our 159 counties had drop boxes, but 20 counties chose not to have them. 
Now going forward, all 159 counties will have to have at least one drop box and be one drop box for every 100,000 voters. We think that is a, a very thoughtful and well-measured de device, particularly since last year, everyone had shelter at home order, uh, orders from the government to stay at home. And that's why these measures were put into place. We're not at that same point. We still obviously are watching what's happening with the Delta variant, things like that. But those all expired, and those are uh, emergency measures that did expire. Now we can look at it, what we do need to do legally, legislatively, and that's what we did with the General Assembly this year. Now, uh, just to, I want to get this in here as well, because you are running for re-election. You're facing off against Jody Heiss. How big is is the Donald Trump shadow in this race? Well, we understand. Uh, I supported President Trump when he ran in 16, voted for him in 20, uh, and our family has given him money. But at the end of the day, he did not win Georgia. I know that's very uh, distressing for Republicans and even myself when I watch uh, what's happening up in D.C. with Nancy Pelosi and uh, President Biden. But my job is to make sure we have fair and honest elections and not putting my finger on the scale. And I think that all voters want to make sure that you have someone that is calm and thoughtful and thorough to make sure that we have fair and honest elections. That's what you really want. You don't need some shill in any office when elections are really one of the most important rights that we have as Americans. Yet he does loom large in the Republican Party. I don't think there's any way you can, you know, we can deny that. We have to look at it and say that's that's what what is happening here. Look at he draws huge crowds everywhere he goes. In, in Arizona, he was speaking in Arizona, and they were lined up in the wee hours of the morning, like it was a Trump rally during the election. So that's got to play in you. I'm I'm sure that your team has a strategy, or you're looking at how do we how do we address this? Do you address it head on? Do you ignore it? What's your plan? We understand that when Jody Heiss was a congressman, he never introduced a single piece of election reform legislation. And yet one of the biggest problems that everyone has at the state level are election laws. If you look at the National Voting Rights Act, that does not allow us to update our voting rules 90 days before an election on an election year. So in effect, last year, we could not update our voter rolls due to federal laws. Jody Heiss has never done anything to reform federal laws. So I think that he has to be held accountable for his lack of action. Uh, he, I think, uh, will be held accountable, you know, obviously by myself, but I believe by the voters at the end of the day. You know, you, you had brought up the uh, the election in Georgia, and there are a lot of questions regarding the 2020 election tally, especially in Fulton County, especially with videos that have come out. And we now know that some ballots were double counted. There was a video that came out of a woman just taking the ballots out, putting up the same ballots through the machine again. So how do you get past that when there are so many unanswered questions about that? And the, a lot of Trump supporters do feel that because of those unanswered questions and not having those answers, you know, there's kind of like this, this, I guess this air of something hinky happened and we're not getting answers. So how do you address those and how do you get past that? Well, first, I'm not here to make excuses for Fulton County, but I'm the first secretary of state to ever ever get them under a consent agreement when they had problems after their June primary, which allowed us to have an election monitor that had 100% access to look at everything. He made sure that they were actually matching signatures with signature match. Fulton County did scan ballots, you know, several ballots 
you know, a couple times. But what happens, and this is one thing that voters need to understand, is that in Georgia, I made sure that we could rectify those mistakes, or if there were mistakes, but we had a 100% hand recount. And when you did a 100% or hand recount, then those mistakes they had of the double scanning of ballots were reconciled because, in effect, we already have done an audit in Georgia when we did a 100% hand recount. Then we went ahead and did a 100% scan of those recounted ballots once we had those numbers corrected. And if you look at the difference, we were within 0.1% of all three numbers. And so at the end of the day, those are the results. In spite of Fulton's you know, mess-ups and in spite of all the investigations we've had, we know that that is an accurate you know, count and President Trump did not win the state of Georgia. Did your but your office opened an investigation into voters who voted in the county that they had moved out of, and it's illegal in Georgia to vote in a county if you've moved out of it within the last thirty days. And I know your office has has opened an investigation into that because that was something like uh, ten thousand more than ten thousand three hundred. Uh, votes, possibly more, of people who voted um, in the county that they no longer resided in. So what, ha- what have you learned through well, that investigation? Well, well, it goes back to, first off, we cannot update our voter rolls because of federal law. Our hands are tied. It's federal law. And what you're really saying is these are American citizens, but over the age of 18, they are not under felony sentence, and they are Georgia residents. But they moved from one county to another, and then they voted in a different county. It did not affect the top of the ballot race. It would affect the lower-level races, but it did not affect the presidential race. The real issue with the presidential race is we had over 28,000 voters that skipped the presidential ballot. They didn't vote for anyone for the presidential ballot. So I don't know if they were a Biden voter or they were a Trump voter, but 28,000 Georgians didn't vote for the presidential ballot. Typically, everyone hits the top of the ticket, and the things they do skip are the water and sewer board, county commissioners, and all the down-ballot races. I understand that. This race was atypical in that respect. Yeah, it doesn't make sense that, that someone would would go to the, the trouble of voting in a county they, they no longer live in and then not vote for president. And uh, the president of Data Productions, uh, Mark Davis, he's an expert in voter analytics, and he obtained data from the National Change of Address database and identified Georgia residents who had confirmed moves with the postal system. You know, you're giving them your forwarding address. He excluded moves with effective dates within 30 days of the general election. And by using the data available from your office, he identified nearly 35,000 Georgia voters who indicated they had moved from one Georgia county to another, but then voted in the county that they no longer resided in. 35,000, that is enough to swing the race. And I doubt that they all just voted for, you know, dog catcher. Uh, we can't update the vote rolls. In effect, as I said, 90 days out of before an election, and because we had then runoff elections, in effect, after February of 2020, we could not update the vote rolls, and we just did our first update in 2021. And that's why we need federal election reform that allows us to really update the voter rolls. Uh, but Mr. Davis is making the point that he would disenfranchise Georgians who are American citizens. And I don't believe that would stand the scrutiny of any court, let alone the federal court. If the states are supposed to run the elections, as we know, the state legislatures have that power. How can the feds tell you you're not allowed to update your voter rolls? Uh, federal law trumps 
state law, and that law has been in books since 1993, 1994. It was signed into law by President Bill Clinton with a Democrat Senate and a Democrat House. When the Republicans controlled uh, the House and Senate and we had President Trump in charge, Republicans didn't follow any election reform. In fact, Mo Brooks was quoted on Fox News one morning on saying that. And I can pull out that date and circle back and get it to you. I thought it was very interesting that even he recognized that Republicans didn't do what they needed to do at the federal level. There's, and so and that, you know state. what? That seems to be that seems to be the story that we hear over and over and over again. And it's very, very annoying. It almost makes you think that they really um, don't care that much. They say it, but they really don't. Um, and lastly, you know, uh, is there any investigation into what happened with the warehouse where the ballots are being held that for whatever reason was left unguarded? You had you round the clock guards and then for hours, these two guards just take a break and they disappear and it's broken into and nobody knows what happened. Nobody knows if ballots were tampered with. Nobody knows if ballots were taken. Are any answers going to be coming about that? That'll be probably covered with the ongoing uh, investigation and court case that Fulton County has right now. There's a case out there, Voter GA versus Fulton County, and that's before Judge Amaro right now. And we said that we would support uh, whatever the judge's ruling is, but if that is a detailed uh, deep dive on that and audit and looking at all the procedures, we support that. Yeah. And uh, the General Assembly has also requested uh, an investigation. And so we're waiting to see what the will of the state election board will be. They meet. Uh, well, I, I thank you. I, I thank you for answering these questions because if you, you know, you're running for reelection, I think a lot of people have these questions. And so I appreciate you answering them and addressing them. Brad Raffensperger, Georgia secretary of state. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. More coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. And I have the honor of welcoming welcoming two new stations to The Brian Kilmeade Show family. News Radio FM 96.5-1290 KUMA in Oregon. And Freedom 95.5 Conservative Talk Radio in Peoria, Illinois. Thank you so much for joining us. So happy to have you. And I am so excited that I get to I get to be the first one. I get to to welcome you. So welcome. I have some sad news for you, though. If you are looking to buy some of Hunter Biden's art, I, I just thought you should know that um, several art critics uh, and, uh, I guess, buyers and, and experts have decided that the prices are overwhelmingly inflated. They're going between 75000 and 500000 And I just love the fact, and the jokes write themselves, that he blows the ink through a straw. Because I would guess he's got a lot of straws hanging around. But um bum uh, three art critics, one art professor told Politico the prices for Hunter's artwork are nowhere close to where they should be 
for a budding artist. Traditionally, young artists are a bargain, and if they begin to sustain a career, gallerists raise the price incrementally as they should. Paintings are only as valuable as what some customers will pay for them. He's complexly famous, but not yet for art. Guess people will pay for a known last name. And they pretty much all agreed that they are what is being sold is not Hunter Biden's art. What's being sold is Hunter Biden's last name, despite what the White House tells you. No, no, it has nothing to do with access to the president. No, this is all about Hunter Biden's new new career. He's like that kid that can never find a career. That's Hunter Biden. So uh, if you're going to buy some, overpriced. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to The Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, how is everybody? Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. I'll be with you uh, tomorrow as well. Let's start right off with New York Post columnist and Fox News contributor, Michael Goodwin. Michael, thank you for joining me. My pleasure, Mary. It's always a pleasure to have you on. You have a piece out, Joe Biden's Failing First Crisis. And I read the headline and I'm like, wait, so which one could that possibly be? Because I can think of several crises that are happening right now and the White House is fiddling while Rome burns. So which crises are we speaking of? Well, I'm thinking of all of them together. Oh, okay. Uh, creating, <laughs> creating what I call a, a potential hinge point in his presidency. Uh, I mean, you have the border, of course. You have this, the uh, terrible miscommunications on the mask and the uh, the CDC's behavior is beyond objectionable. I mean, they just look incompetent. Um, You have the inflation, of course. Uh, And so you have this, and of course, the continuing crime. So you you have this confluence of events, and Biden seems either incompetent or impotent to do anything about them. I mean, nothing, nothing is coming out of the White House that would give you any confidence. And you can, you can go further. You can say what's going on in Cuba, that the United States has been passive there. Uh, so it's, it's just this sense that uh, these things are mounting. You had that poll showing that uh, there's been a 20-point swing. People who were optimistic are now pessimistic, just since May. So that means that there was a, a, a fair amount of hope that Biden would live up to the promises of his presidency. Maybe some of it was relief. People were tired of Donald Trump in many cases. Uh, but here we are in now the beginning of August. The poll has swung the other way. Now the majority are pessimistic about the next 12 months. And so I think, as I say, it's a confluence of events that, to me, come together as a one single big crisis with a lot of component parts. 
But a lot of these, uh, as I read your article, and we all know as we talk about these things, a lot of these crises are self-inflicted. They made these crises happen. Now, they'll never say that, but immigration, the border, sure. inflation, all self-inflicted wounds. Uh, that's true, but uh, that's, not, that's not unusual. Um, I think if any of us looked at our own lives, we would say that uh, most of our problems are things we created ourselves or contributed to. So I I, I don't disagree that they are self-inflicted, but the question is, can he work his way out of this? Can he solve these problems, give, you know, turn those poles around again where you would have, you know, I mean, back in May, it's hard to believe. I don't know a lot of these people, but 60, nearly two thirds uh, were optimistic about the next 12 months. Now, that's pretty remarkable. And the fact that uh, he created these crises or contributed to them, as I say, that's not surprising, but it's happened very quickly and and fairly dramatically. I mean, to have a 20-point swing in optimism versus pep- pessimism, that that is a bad sign for a president. Well, first of all, he probably doesn't even know because they're probably not telling him. <laughs> you know, we laugh at that, but it's it's sad. It's true. And I have friends, you know, who became anti-Trumpers and never Trumpers and voted for Biden. And I just look at them and I'm like, but come on, you got to be happy. There's no mean tweets. At least he's nice. And they don't right. say anything because the reason they didn't vote for Trump is because he's mean and they didn't like the tweets. And, you know, now now you've just got the, the countries, you know, devolving. We're like a plane on fire heading into into the the abyss. Um, I have a theory and see what you think about this, that Jill Biden, I mean, we know she's got a tight rein on Joe Biden. She protects him. She's his nanny. She's his mom. She protects him. I've never seen a first lady go to so many events with the president and get on stage and speak before him. Right. And then, and then go around and say, Joe, pay attention. I mean, it's, it's insane. With Kamala Harris, we all know, I don't think anybody thinks that Joe Biden's going to finish four years. And maybe there are some, but I can't imagine Joe Biden's going to do four years. But it almost looks like Jill, that, um, that Kamala Harris is being set up to fail. You know, she's been given the border and she's been given um, voter ID, you know, voter, quote unquote, voter integrity. For the Democrats, the border is an unsolvable crisis. Right. Because of the, the, the constraints that they've put in place makes it unsolvable for them because they can't do anything that Trump did. So she's got an unsolvable problem. And then right. they gave her voter integrity again for them is an unsolvable problem. Is this being done by the people who are pro Biden and want to see him in there for four years? You know, I hadn't considered that. You're, you're more cynical than I am. I, I am. <laughs> But uh, it's a plausible scenario. Uh, I mean, I I, I mentioned in my column that uh, Harris is diminished. Now, again, she was not a strong candidate in her own right, and she was elevated. I mean, Joe Biden, it was no secret he was going to choose a non-white woman as his running mate, and he did. Uh, So Kamala Harris, I think, comes to the job with not a lot of credentials other than her race and uh, gender. And so uh, it's not really surprising that they haven't uh, the Biden team hasn't 
helped her much because I'm not sure they can. I mean, Kamala Harris is vastly overrated. And so she got this job, as I say, through a peculiar set of circumstances, a quota, really. There was no qualification for the job. Uh, not that most most vice presidents are not superstars or they would be presidents. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, th- there is this question, and there have been some reports, that the Biden team doesn't trust her. And that's why they haven't really given her a prime role in anything that they thought she could handle. Now, what you said about the border is absolutely right. It's unfixable if you're going to break all of the agreements that Trump had with Mexico and the Northern Triangle countries. And if you're going to let the migrants in and then try to process them, it's unfixable because you've essentially extended an open invitation to the cartels, to the coyotes to criminals of all kinds, as well as the, the innocent people just looking for a better life. Uh, so you've, you've broken the system, and now you can't really expect her or anyone else to fix it under, those, under the rules that you're willing to play by. But still, I do think that even saying that, there is something peculiar about her. She also hides from the media, just oh, yeah. as Joe Biden does. And so, uh, you know, the sense of who is making these decisions is is a real one. I mean, there, there is a question. For example, uh, some time ago, uh, the administration decided that the the uh, intellectual property of the vaccines would be given away, that the whole world could make use of it without paying Pfizer, Moderna, et cetera. Uh, I'm told Susan Rice was behind that. I mean, that was a highly objectionable decision because what it did was it it stole this. I mean, this is what Mm -hmm. we complain that China does. And there was the White House doing it, you know, out of some gesture of humanity, taking the private property of these companies and giving that information over to other countries, most of whom lack the ability to actually replicate the the, uh, production of these vaccines. So it was maybe of little use in the places where it was intended, but it would be great use in China, for example, or Russia. Uh, And so you're taking away the intellectual property. And and I'm told that Susan Rice was guiding that, that that was her decision. Now, who gave her the power to make that decision? I mean, the president announced it. But the the inner workings of the White House are something of a mystery. There's all this kind of stuff about Ron Klain, uh, the chief of staff, being the real power. The fact is we don't know. Um, and, And that I think will at some point become a big issue if Joe Biden's decline continues. And then I think we will have more concern about who's pulling the strings if Joe Biden can't even uh, speak and, and release these policies. If, if he's incapable of doing even that at some point, then I think we'll have serious questions about uh, is he up to the job? Is he really the president? And if he's not, who is? Yeah, and and I've I've also heard you know Susan Rice, Susan Rice, Susan Rice. That is the rumbling behind the scenes 
I'll, it's not, it's almost an open secret in some corners of Washington, but you, you note in your piece, and I highlighted this, no president in modern times has talked so frequently about being in trouble with his staff if he dares to take another question from the press. You know, he jokes around about, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. You know, like, yeah, right. with mommy's going to be mad at me. That's right. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's a great question. So who is the staff with whom he's going to be in trouble? And this is not the Joe Biden. You said this as well. This is not the Joe Biden that campaigned. He campaigned as a moderate. Who's pulling the strings? But this is something that I'm going to tie with the Obama administration. I always asked, who's Valerie Jarrett? Who is she? And who gave her all this authority? Right. Well, and, you know, to, to, to the point of... Um... Uh, pulling the strings and and everything else. As I write in the column, I I still find it a mystery why Biden gave so much power to Bernie Sanders and AOC, why he Mm -hmm. basically let them set the policy agenda that he would follow after, during the campaign, effectively running against them and winning the Democratic primary despite them. I mean, he ran against Bernie and beat Bernie. But So why has he turned the policy shop over to the far left? I mean, I think Uh, Frankly, I I think it dooms his presidency because it means he can't get much done in Congress. Uh, there, there, There aren't 50 Democratic senators to do the Bernie Sanders agenda, let alone uh, the filibuster uh, providing Republicans some power. So it's just a mystery. As I say, he was doomed to end up where he is. Not much to show for what he's done, and yet still divisions within his party and falling public support. So that, to me, is the greatest mystery of the Biden presidency. Yes, I want to know uh, about his mental health. I want to know who is behind the scenes with a lot of these policy decisions. But mostly I want to know who made that decision. Did Joe Biden make that decision that Bernie Sanders uh, and AOC would set the tone for his administration? I mean, when you Mm -hmm. look at the legislative agenda that he has endorsed, Mm -hmm. I mean, it is straight out of Bernie Sanders and AOC. I don't know what they've lost. I can't see anything in his policies that they've lost. So, so as we we're running out of time here, so because I could talk to you forever, um, what look into your crystal ball? Where does this go? Do we see Joe Biden? Because everyone knows you talk about his mental health, about his status, and we we make jokes about it, but it's hit the point where it's not funny. It's we do know he's not running the show. I think it's an open secret that that he is not running the show. Other countries are looking at this, thinking, "Oh my gosh, look at this guy! They're they're taking huge advantage of us, China, Russia, etc." So where where does this all end? When do they finally 25th Amendment, the Democrats will 25th Amendment Joe Biden? You know, Mary, I'm reminded of a conversation I had with a, with a very wise friend in uh, 2012 when I thought uh, certain that uh, a Republican would be would be elected president. Uh, I, this was even earlier, I think, than, than Romney getting the nomination. And this friend of mine said, I don't know. He said, I don't think it's bad enough yet. (laughs) And that's sort of how I feel about the Biden administration. Uh, There was an election, and it's a disputed election, but 
I'm willing to accept that Joe Biden is legitimately the president. Uh, I have my doubts about a lot, what happened in a lot of states, but so be it. Uh, here we are. So what the election does, I think, and for many people, is it resets the emotions. And so you accept that there's a new president. The clock starts over. So we've had all these doubts about Biden through the years, particularly in the campaign. That's mm -hmm. all reset now. Uh, he's now the president. And so we are six months and a few days into his presidency. And so I don't think it's bad enough yet that there is this general uprising. But that's why I wrote the way I wrote about this being his first, this is his first test. This confluence of events is, okay. is the first real test of his presidency. Uh, because if he doesn't succeed in this, in quieting this grumbling, as I point out, even the New York yes. Times seems to be getting restless. Uh, if he doesn't succeed in, in quieting this rumbling, then I think all of the the whole country or much of the country, a clear majority is going to be start start to ask the questions that you and I have been thinking about for a year. Yeah. And My, so uh, Michael, we're going to have to leave it. At, we're going to have to leave it at that. The okay. column is Joe Biden's failing first crisis. Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor. Thank you. Appreciate you joining My, us. My pleasure. We're going to get your calls and we have a whole lot more coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. There's no topic he won't touch, and there's no opinion he won't engage. It's one of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. You're not going to answer, but I have to ask. Where are you in the process of, or have, let me ask you this, without giving the answer what the answer is, have you made up your mind? Yes. Oh, yes. Have you made up your mind? 866-408-7669. Had this conversation last night with my friends, huge Trump supporters, but they don't want him to run again. I have to tell you, I'm kind of on the same wavelength. I just think that, you know, towards the end there, I kind of think like Donald Trump shot himself in the foot a little bit with what happened in Georgia and everything. Um, and, and I think he's been vindicated on pretty much everything. Um, and who knows, maybe he'll be vindicated on the voting as well. Uh, and I listen, I kind of hope he is. But that was a month ago. And I, you know, you see these straw polls and they say, yeah, 60% of Republicans want Trump to run again. I kind of don't. And how about you? 866-408-7669. And what is your, who would you like to see run? I mean, it's, it's years off, right? But they're going to start campaigning soon. I'm going to tell you about Donald Trump's war chest coming up. He's got a lot of money to run a campaign. But the question is, would he rather be a kingmaker at this point in the game? If I was Donald Trump or his kids, I'd be like, Dad, don't run. I don't want to go through that again. They are still trying to destroy him. They're, they're turning his his tax returns over to Congress. They could just comb through them. They have the man. They're just looking for the crime now. 
That's what's happening. They are just, they're flat, breaking every law. They don't care. They get away with it because it's Donald Trump. Because he dared shine the light in the dark recesses of the swamp that is Washington, D.C. And that's how you know how bad it is when they're going out so far out of their way to destroy this man. 866-408-7669. Do you want him to run again? I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. 866-408-7669-866-408-7669. Um, friends of ours, I've been having this conversation with quite a few friends, and I'm sure you have as well. Uh, they're all, we're all Trump supporters. We all voted for him. I, we flew the flag, the Trump flag. And, you know, uh, my husband, I was just telling the guys here, I was telling Pete and Eric, my husband has a flag that just came over the weekend for that when it goes really bad with Biden. And it says, don't blame me. I voted Trump. And we have a 35 foot flagpole. So he's just waiting for the right time. That's the flag he's going to fly. He's all ready, but we don't want him to run again. I, I, I mean, listen, if he runs again, I will vote for him in a heartbeat. Do I think he stands a chance of beating Kamala Harris? I do. Uh, but stupid is as stupid does. And I have a lot of friends who voted for Joe Biden just because Trump is mean. And towards the end there, I, I would find myself defending Trump because he was like, really, uh, I realized he was going hard, but it was tough. So, and, and who would you, who would you like to see run? I would like to see um, DeSantis and Tim Scott. I think that is a great ticket, really good ticket. Now things can change between now and, you know, 24. Uh, but that as of right now, that's what I see. However, you heard Donald Trump just before he went to the break telling Sean Hannity, he has made up his mind whether he's going to run or not. We now found out uh, from new disclosure reports that were filed Saturday night that Trump's affiliated political committees have a total of $102 million in cash on hand that going into July. They claim to have raised $82 million of that $102 million in the last six months. Now, there, the FEC shows a lot of that cash came from a transfer that took place from Trump's former, uh, from Trump's fundraising accounts from last year. So there's questions as to exactly where all this money came from, how much of it was donations from the last six months, et cetera. But he still has $102 million in cash on hand. That is a lot of money. And, uh, you know, he is raising for election for the election defense fund um, to support the fight for the 2020 results to get to the bottom of that, which, you know what? I'm not one of these people who says they should just let it go. Let's find out if the elections were compromised. We deserve to know that and we should know that we, we need to find out the truth. So I, I do think those audits need to go on. I do think they need to fight to make those happen because I think it's my right as an American citizen to know whether my vote counted or not. I just think the I, I just think that's a simple request. Then listen to this. You hear Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows uh, was on uh, Friday night. 
And he was asked on Friday night, um, you know, what's going on? Do you, you know, anything, anything with Trump? And here's what he had to say. They were apparently, there's apparently a secret meeting in New Jersey. Listen to this. Well, we met with some of our cabinet members tonight. We actually had a, a, a follow-up member uh, uh, meeting with some of our cabinet members. And as we were looking at that, we're looking at what uh, does come next. I, I'm not uh, authorized to speak on behalf of the president. Okay. But I but I can tell you this, Steve. Uh, we wouldn't be meeting tonight if we weren't making plans to move forward in a real way with President okay. Trump at the head of that ticket. President Trump at the head of that ticket. Boom. Boom. I know. Kind of says a lot, doesn't it? 866-408-7669. Do you want to see him run again? Uh, Joe in Florida. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, Joe. How are you? I do do want to see President Trump run again. Um, You know, I'm a Brian Kilmeade fan, and I like his demeanor, how calm he is, and he has history to prove it. But I don't think Donald Trump could be like that. The media attacks him. They attack their family. They lie about him, and they're very biased. So he has to be brass. Right. I wish that was not the case. Yep. But you know, and sometimes I don't like the things he says either. But mm-hmm. it does bring out a lot of things that they do against him, and it's mm-hmm. constant, constant, constant. Yep. And I just wish it wasn't that way. Therefore, like you, maybe you know, if he runs, but whoever runs, that's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. Whether it's you know, whether it's Scott. And um, DeSantis, who I like, I live in West Palm Beach, Florida, but it's not going to stop. And they're going to have to have that same demeanor attacking back against the attacks that they're receiving. That's very true. That is also true. And I don't understand how Trump and his family did it for as long as they did. There were so many times I said, this man should just say, you know what you wanted? Here you go. Fix it yourself and just walk away from it and let them blow it up. Because he, it was such a thankless job for him and his family, and they gave up so much. And what they did to him was just unbelievable. But I blame the Republicans, too. The Republicans, thank you so much, Joe. Republicans are not fighters. I, um, I was very lucky last week. I was very blessed. I, I got to um, have breakfast with Chuck Grassley and some other people uh, at the Capitol Senate dining room. And which, by the way, was a little anticlimactic, I have to say. It's like a room, in a, you know, like any room you would find in a, in a Holiday Inn, like a conference room at a Holiday Inn. Getting there, like the, like the Senate, the Capitol, it's beautiful. But when you walked in, I was like, aw. <laughs> I was just expecting it to be grand. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I asked Senator Grassley and I said to him, I said, I said, so, you know, it's so frustrating. Like the, the Republican base is crying for, for the Republicans to learn from Donald Trump and to fight back, you know, and, and you've got, you've got Kinzinger and you, you've got uh, Liz Cheney on this January 6th commission. And he said something that's very true. He said, Democrats are monolith. Democrats are one voice, one vote. Republicans have freedom of thought. And because Republicans welcome freedom of thought, you have individual people. And they're not always going to think the same way. And he's right. And, and I love that. But there are times where you sometimes have to just zip it and go along to get along sometimes. For, the, for, for what the people want, for the good of the country, sometimes you have to do that. So it's so frustrating to me. Uh, let's head to Midland, Texas. Phil, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Phil. Hey, Mary. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say that 
Ratsberger is a liar. Why do you say that? that? Why do you say that? Because he lied about saying that the uh, Georgia went for Biden, and and he he closed the barn door after the horses got out. So we had uh, suitcases under the table. Fulton County, which would stop counting the votes because they had a water leak. They put boxes up in the windows. How can this guy stay, stay there? You know, if he was on a video, his nose would get getting larger. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a liar. Yeah, I think he's going to have a little bit of a problem with, with the re-election when it comes to all of that. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. So do you want to see Trump run again? Yes. And he could pick Christy Nome. Uh, maybe Ted Cruz, maybe uh, Senator Scott. I mean, but, you know, people who say your friends say they voted for Trump because he was too mean. What a bunch of wusses. The man had integrity. His thought was to make America great again. He was fighting rhino Republicans. He was fighting the news media. You know, and I do, Mary, you used a great word. I'm going to start using it now that the election was compromised because you can't say the F bomb. Right. Or you got, but that, but the great, that's a great word. I never even thought of that word. Our election was compromised and we have a right to know that it should be compromised. Totally agree with you on that. But no, I, I love Trump. He was a, 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 a big difference between guys like Romney and Bush and McCain that were all, uh, uh, they, they took it on the chin and they, they fell down. Donald Trump, he blocked the, 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 the sock to the jaw and came back with, with two of his own. I, I love the man. He said a few things. In, in my opinion, he said maybe five sentences that I wish he would have never said, and that's it. Out of the entire many times he spoke, you know, those five sentences I wish he would have never uttered, and that was discussing uh, John McCain's uh, yes. veteran status when he was a prisoner of war. Because I'm a veteran. He should have never said that, and I didn't like it. But But his desire to make America great overshadowed all that. And I thought, I thought he was a great, a great president, and I want him to run again because our country is in dire straits. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And, and you, you made some some great points there. And you're right. The people. Thank you so much, Phil. The, my friends who, who became never Trumpers, they went they tend to be one issue voters. I can't be a one-issue voter. If I'm going to be a one-issue voter, that voter's going to be my wallet. Sorry, yep, I'm selfish. That's the way it goes. My husband and I work our butts off. And you know what's more selfish? Thinking that you have a right to something that you didn't earn. That, to me, is the ultimate in selfish. Me thinking that I get to keep what I earned, I pretty much think that's normal. That's why we work so hard. But you thinking that you have a right to that? Mm. Uh, but they, they tend to be one issue voters. She's a big animal rights activist and couldn't handle the fact that Trump's sons hunt. That was like a bridge too far for her. I was just like, okay, but you know, she works in real estate. One of my friends and I love her. Uh, she works in real estate. And I'm like, where are you going to be when the real estate market tanks? I'm just curious because it's not always going to be high on the hog the way it is now. And your commissions are going to go down, but there's none of that thought, you know? And I look, Everybody has their own thing, but I, I think they tend to be one-issue voters in a lot of ways. Uh, so you got Donald Trump, Trump building a war chest of $102 million entering the second half of 21. Um, you also have him winning some battles. But I just want to tell you what Biden's DOJ, Merrick Garland, has done and how they're still targeting 
Donald Trump. And I, I, I think our last caller was absolutely right. I think it was Joe was absolutely right. They're going to do it to anyone who runs next, whether it's DeSantis, whatever, because they're getting away with it with Trump. They found the man. Now they're going to find the crime. And that is a very scary development and a very scary way to go. But because it's Trump, it's okay. And Republicans don't fight it. 866-408-7669. 866-408-7669. Your call's coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. I'm talking about whether you want to see President Trump run again, or is there someone else that you would rather see and have Trump be the kingmaker? On Friday, the DOJ uh, said that Trump's tax returns must be released by the IRS to the House Ways and Means Committee. The DOJ's Office of Legal Counsel said the committee showed sufficient reasons to validate its bid to review the former president's taxes. This to me is egregious. This is outrageous. This is persecution, not prosecution. If Trump has done something wrong or any of his companies has done something wrong in their taxes, the IRS would have nailed him already. They would have nailed him for big bucks. And those tax records, that all would have been leaked. If there's any, if there was anything in his tax records that was egregious, tell me that those tax records would not have been leaked. They absolutely would have. And yet they weren't. The Office of Legal Counsel argued that when a congressional committee requests access to a president's tax returns, the executive branch should conclude that the request lacks a legitimate legislative purpose only in exceptional circumstances. The opinion is a reversal of this of that stance from 2019 in a similar judgment. Um, I would love to see Trump, and I hope he does. I hope he takes this to the Supremes. What are they looking for? What are they looking for? Other than we have the man, we're searching for the crime. They want to keep Trump in the news so that anyone who is uh, anointed by Trump in 22 is tarnished. That's what this is about. They can't quit him. They can't quit you. I can't quit you. They they need Trump because they have nothing else. They know they cannot run on their issues. They know they can't run on the border. They can't run on the economy. They have nothing they can run on. The only thing they can do is try to reprise 2020 by running on we're not Trump. Look at how terrible Trump is. That's disgusting what they're trying to do. And he, he also won a $1 million tax refund on his uh, Chicago skyscraper. The Illinois Property Tax Appeal Board voted five to nothing to refund the amount of on his 2011 taxes. So they're going through his taxes anyway, but it's 2011 taxes. And now uh, Kim Fox, who is the Cook County state attorney, uh, he, she, excuse me, is trying to stop him from getting the money. This is crazy. Why, why would you want to run for president as a Republican? Because they're going to do the same thing to you. They're getting away with it. Why would you want to? 866-408-7669. Brooke, listening online in Hickory, North Carolina. Hi, Brooke. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Good morning, Miss Mary. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Do you want to see Trump run again? Of course I do, um, because I think that he was cheated out of the, this last election. Um, um, I kind of have, well, my friend went and voted in Hickory um, at um, Clyde Campbell Elementary, and I didn't see this as I voted, but um, at the bottom of her ballot, she had the uh, the option to view 
um, her, you know, what who she voted for, and they she voted straight Republican, and it had changed it all to straight Democrat. So she went back, she did it again, and then it said straight Democrat again. And so she went to a poll worker, and they said, um, no, just go to a different polling agency. Just go to a different place, you know. So who knows how many times that happened. You know, it's interesting you hear these stories all the time. Let's switch my votes. Let's switch my votes. I've never seen it where it switches votes from Democrat to Republican. You only hear stories where the, where the machine will switch votes from Republican to Democrat. Have you ever, you ever noticed that? I mean, it's the weirdest thing. Uh, Brooke, thank you for sharing that story. I, I think there are there are always going to be, I think from here on forward, questions around the election. I'm sorry, and, and I don't have a tinfoil hat on. I'm just breathing. I'm aware. What, you know, is it, it's just weird when the polling places all shut down at the same time and when they come back up, you know, Joe Biden's in the lead. Look at what, Go back and look at Tucker Carlson's uh, monologue that he did on what they're finding in Georgia. Go back and look at that. You know, the, the warehouse where the ballots are being kept was left unguarded, even though it had 24-hour round-the-clock surveillance by guards. They, they decide to leave for whatever reason. Nobody seems to know why. And someone broke into the warehouse. Wow, that's a weird coincidence. But no answers. Nobody seems to be interested in finding out. As long as those things are happening, people are going to have questions. Very quickly, Mike in Dayton, Ohio, listening on WHIO. Mike, we have 30 seconds. Hi. Hi. Uh, would I want Trump to run again? I would love for him to run again. I love the man, but I don't want to see him have to go through and endure the stuff that he had to do this last four years. I just don't think it's it's good for his health. I worry about somebody, uh, his protection, and just him as an individual. I think he ought to use this opportunity to, to like you say, have a kingmaker. Put somebody in there. Uh, DeSantis, I think, would be a great choice. Uh, but the first thing we need to do is make sure these elections are, are legal. Uh, it doesn't make any difference who runs if they are going to steal the elections. They had four years to plan this, and they did it surgically. The Democrats yeah. speak with one voice, and they're controlled by one voice. Who- well, I see. Now, Mike, here's the thing. I will agree with you that, that Democrats speak with one voice. That I, that, I think, is absolutely true. Do I think there are a lot of questions with with the election? Yes. And I and I said that I just want to make sure that the elections were fair and run honestly. And I don't think that that's an outrageous question to ask. And I don't think that that's a really high expectation. I think that that's something we should all want and we should all expect more coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Yes, I'm Mary Walters sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. I'll be with you tomorrow as well. One of the things I want to touch on um, here is um, talking about this eviction moratorium. And, you know, they put the eviction moratorium in because COVID. And uh, it's, it's run out. It expired. 
And Democrats apparently were shocked that Joe Biden didn't do anything. The deadline was Saturday and Joe Biden apparently didn't know about it or nobody told him or he said, what do you what eviction moratorium I had no clue what was going on. I don't know. And so now they're really angry because at the last minute he tells Congress to provide a solution to protect renters at the last minute. And they thought that he had a handle on this, and clearly he did not. AOC yesterday even said, oh, here she is. This is, this is, let's go to cut um, 16. We'll start with AOC here. She uh, was talking, she was on CNN on State of the Union, where she was talking about this and how Democrats got caught flat-footed because Joe Biden just let this expire. I think there's a couple of, of issues here. First of all, you are absolutely correct in that the House and House leadership had the opportunity to vote to extend the moratorium. And there were many, and there was frankly a handful of conservative Democrats in the House that threatened to get on planes rather than hold this vote. And we have to um, really just call a spade a spade. We cannot, in good faith, blame the Republican Party when House Democrats have a majority. What? What? You know that sentence right there, what she just said there, actually proves that AOC does have a couple of synapses that occasionally fire and connect, and the words come out of her mouth properly. She may not be as dumb as she portrays. I'm I'm starting to get that feeling. She's like dumb as a fox. Uh, I think she's got more going on there. Uh, Then she went on to talk about uh, the White House and their role in this whole mess. There is something to be said for the fact that this court order came down on the White House a month ago. And the White House waited until the day before the House adjourned to release a statement asking on Congress to extend the moratorium. We asked the Biden administration about their stance, and they were not being really forthright about that advocacy and that request until the day before the House adjourned. And so the House was put into a, I believe, a a needlessly difficult situation. So now you have this protest on the steps of of the Capitol. You've got uh, Cori Bush, part of the squad, um, AOC, and they're going to camp out there and they're they're not going anywhere until they get this moratorium back in. Here's the thing. Eventually, people, you're going to have to pay your rent. This can't go on forever. They have this view. I think there's this funhouse view on the left that a landlord is this person who, you know, sits there with a crown on and just, you know, rolls around naked in gold coins and, you know, laughs as the little people are set out into the street by snidely whiplash, uh, you know, freezing in a in a tattered wool blanket, moth eaten with their four children under her skirt, you know, in the in the cold. That's not how it is. A lot of landlords are just people who chose to save their money to buy an investment property. And they have like maybe one, maybe two that they have renters in. And the rent pays pays the bills, you know, but for the most part pays the mortgage. If, if you're lucky, we'll, we'll pay that off so that, you know, there it's a zero sum game for them. Or maybe even they're making a little bit of money on it. And they hope that it increases in value. And down the road, you can sell it and then use that money, I don't know, to send your kids to college maybe, or do something along those lines. Um, one of those people, Clarence Hammer, he is a New York, uh, Brooklyn, New York landlord, a regular guy. And he was on Fox and Friends this weekend talking about what this means to him. I'm owed over $65,000. My tenant hasn't paid since August of 2019. We can't take him to court. We, we still have to provide maintenance, heat, hot water, gas, maintenance, all of that. And it's coming right out of our pockets. I think the system's designed to have the smaller, smaller independent landlord to give up, but 
uh, at this point, I mean, so many people are, so many small landlords are behind in arrears that it, it just doesn't make sense. They're going to sell out to a private investor that offers them cash without any type of uh, contingencies or conditions. So what happens when that small rent you know, landlord does sell out and sells the property, goes, see if you know what, market's market is a seller's market, I'm selling the joint. You know what's going to happen? I expect Democrats to say, no, you're not allowed to sell a rental property. If you have a rental property and you have renters in there, you can't sell it. I'm waiting for that. That's probably going to be be next. Um, and, and then he goes on. He Listen to what he's talking with Pete uh, Hegseth here, uh, talking about his renters and subletting. Clarence, do you feel like anyone's speaking up for you, for landlords? Uh, tell you the truth, no. I always equate it to the scenario of you, your employer is not paying you but they still want you to come to work and do your duties and responsibilities. That's basically it. And by the way, uh, I presume your tenant or others, they're receiving unemployment or unemployment extension, which could contribute to rent payments, I presume, right? Uh, Yeah. In all actuality, my actual tenant was subletting the place to someone else, and she was getting paid, and meanwhile not turning over any of those profits to, to me. That's insane. That's insane. Although I will say Clarence is learning a valuable lesson here about putting that in your lease that you can't sublet the apartment. You know, there, there, there's a lesson to be learned here for Clarence, unfortunately. So um, White, Brian Deese is White House economic advisor, and he has the answer to this. Listen to what he says these landlords like Clarence should do. Well, the president made clear that he would support an extension of the moratorium. He'd sign it into law if it came to his desk. And we're going to take steps that we can. We took uh, the steps to extend a moratorium for properties that have a government-backed guarantee. Again, HUD, VA, USDA. So those are the steps that we can take. But right now, the opportunity and the need and the necessity is to get that money that is out there, that Congress passed and that we got to the states and localities, get that money in the hands of landlords. And landlords should seek yeah. that money. Rather than seeking to evict, they should seek that money. It's in their interest as well. So, Clarence, in the meantime, while you're doing all this stuff, could you just deal with the government? Because it's so easy to do. You, know, you just give the government a call. Just say, hey, where's my money? I'm not making any money on my rental here. My renter isn't paying anything. And as a matter of fact, she's collecting money by subletting and not giving me a dime. Plus, she gets extended unemployment benefits. Why is it both? Why is it extended and enhanced unemployment benefits and you don't have to pay rent? I would think that if you get enhanced unemployment benefits, that's to help you pay your rent. This is insanity. This is crazy. What about the landlords? Is it time for this to be over? And they're saying, oh, about more than 3.6 million Americans are at risk of eviction. Now, if you listen to Cori Bush and AOC and the squad, they're like, oh, 11 million people are going to be evicted. Hold on. There are plenty of jobs that are looking for people to fill them. That's number one. Number two, if you if you were a, skilled above a lot of those jobs that are open right now, like servers and things like that, then you're getting that unenhanced. You're getting that enhanced unemployment. Where did the money go? If you spent that money inappropriately, that's not your landlord's fault. That's on you. But this is what happens when you give people other people's money. They're not necessarily responsible with it. Party's over. 
But this is the Democrats' push to government-run housing. Do you see this? All good things come from the government. They're going to say, well, we got to do the enhanced unemployment. we got to continue that because people get used to it. They get used to not having paying, not paying rent, and somebody comes by and fixes everything that's broken, and they don't have to do a thing. And the government's given them money to stay home and not work. Woohoo! This is utopia. This is great. And that's the Democrats' plan. 866-408-7669. Uh, Tony, listening on WAVC in New Jersey. Hi, Tony. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, Mary. I love you. I'm telling you, I love when you fill in for Brian. Thank I've got you. a couple of quick points. I'm kind of glad that the, uh, the the moratorium has come to an end because this is going to force people to go back to work, to all these jobs that are sitting there waiting. Uh, and I hope that some of these landlords can use this as a write-off, as a loss over a period of time. Because that would be a wonderful thing. And I believe also that this was a big, giant surgical plan over a period of time, just not to make it look bad, for all these powerful, uh, let's say, wealthy Democrat uh, leaders to basically try to uh, buy some five-star real estate when these guys couldn't pay their bills anymore. So this might be another thing, too, where they might be trying to grab up some of these real estate properties for these land from these landlords that just can't uh, can't make ends meet. You mean like we'll find out that Nancy Pelosi's husband just happened to get into the the real estate business? Oh, absolutely. He just made five hundred. Uh, well, not five hundred. That's why I just said it. Last month. <laughs> yeah. And nobody bats an eye. Can you imagine? Can you even begin to imagine if you put the name Trump in that story instead of Pelosi? The, the Democrats oh. would already have a full-blown inquisition going on. They'd bring the rack back out. They'd have people on it. They'd be, you know, they'd have the fires going, roasting people over it, trying to get them to confess the, the whole absolutely. thing. But because it's Pelosi, nothing to see here. Absolutely. Absolutely. But thank you so much. And I love you guys, really. I, I love when, you fill, uh, when you're filling in for Brian. Well, thank you so much. You are sweet. I'll be back tomorrow. And we love WABC and our audience there in New York and New Jersey and, and Connecticut. It's a, it's a big powerhouse station. Thank you, Tony. 866-408-7669 is my number. Uh, what about the landlords? Or do you not feel sorry for them? You know, what do we do? Do we continue this? Or do we say, okay, enough is enough. Is it time to wean off the, this, this eviction moratorium? Is it time to wean off the enhanced unemployment? Is, is it time to stop? You know, now you're getting, they're doing it with these um, child tax credits. Instead of giving you a tax credit, they're going to give you the money every month. And I think what's going to happen with that is instead of socking it away in case you owe taxes, people are going to spend it and then they're going to owe taxes and not have the money. That's what you're starting to see here. Constant checks coming from the government. This universal basic income. This is how you get it going. People don't pay anything and the government controls every aspect of your life. 866-408-7669. More of your calls coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Open phones right now. I am ripe to be taken advantage of. Take advantage. 866-408-7669. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. 
I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade, 866-408-7669. We're talking about the eviction moratorium that expired on Saturday. And Democrats were caught flat-footed. This is not a typical what it, 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 typical Democrat move. That's what I find amazing about this. This is really something the Republicans would do. The Republicans would leave and they'd be like, oh, we forgot about the eviction moratorium. Darn it. That th- This is very unusual to me for the Democrats. So now they're trying to figure out if they can get some kind of emergency extension. Um, Maxine Waters, uh, she's head of the Financial Services Committee, said, we thought the White House was in charge. You know, Elizabeth Warren, we're only hours away from a fully preventable housing crisis. Why is it a housing crisis? We're all getting back to work. There are millions of jobs in this country for which they they need people. You go, I've walked out of stores because there's no one there to take your money. Restaurants are having shorter hours because there's no one coming back to work because of the enhanced unemployment. If you're getting enhanced unemployment, you should not have your, uh, your rent forgiven. How are you collecting on both sides of this? This can't continue. Or can it? Judy in Jacksonville listening on WOKV. Hello, Judy. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. How are you today? Doing just great, Judy. Does, do we keep doing this, or is it time for these people to pay up? Um, it's time for people to pay for their rent. But well, they don't have jobs, though, Judy. Like, how can you be so horrible? How can you be so callous I, and cold? I've been a landlord. I've had them not pay, and I still have to pay property taxes and insurance. You don't see the government telling the landlords they don't have to pay their taxes, do you? Well, exactly. So what do you think the end game is for this? Democrats know that. They know all of this. you know. And there is like, well, the landlord should just apply to their state to try to get their money. So what's the end game here for them? People need to go back to work. Yeah, no, I agree. I, Judy, I, I agree 100%, and you're right. There are a lot of states. Thank you so much, Judy. I don't know what it is in Florida, but there are a lot of states, where the more liberal states, where if you have a rental property and they choose not to pay the tenants, the law's on their side. It protects them. I have a friend who had a townhouse in New Jersey, and they got a family in there that just didn't pay from day one. Didn't pay. Put the, put the security deposit down and that was it. And they never saw another check. It took them so long to try to get them out. The legal fees alone for my friend were so much, they just abandoned it. They gave it to the bank. They're like, it's yours. You deal with them. They lost everything. So I always said, gosh, you know, if you, if you ever do have a rental property, you got to make sure it's in a state where the, at least the eviction laws are fair. Because otherwise, you're going you're gonna to wind up with, with nothing. Let's go to New Jersey, where my friend lost his, his rental property. Frank, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hello, Mary. Um, you know, I talked to you 20 years ago when you used to work in Somerset. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. That, you're a throwback. Yeah, what, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're listening. Uh, could I still throw back a little bit? Sure. I met you at a carnival in Piscataway. At a church carnival. Sure. You, you with your radio station, and I met uh-huh. you. And, uh-huh. and right now, I'm sitting in my driveway, and I'm looking at the Wachong Mountains, your old yeah. stopping grounds. Wow, that's great. Listen, Frank, we only have about a minute here. Um, so so let, let me hear, what do you think about this? Or should we feel sorry for the landlords? Oh, yeah. And I think the government should give them some money or do something. Let them 
you know, give them a break. And, and then maybe they should get the people who can't pay. You know, like with uh, unemployment, you got to show them you've been to three places. And, if you, you know, you got to show somebody you've been to three places looking for a job. I mean, this is a, a catch-22. You know, you got all these jobs, but nobody's taking them and nobody's paying. And you know what's interesting? You talk about they need to be three places. Um from what I'm hearing, what, what the new scam is, is they say that, you know, they, they apply for a job and they make an appointment for them to come in for their interview and they don't show up. That, but they put down that they looked for the job and they get credit for it, you know, for however many jobs they have to show they looked for in, in a month. And then they don't show for, for the interview. And, right. you know, that, that off they go and they keep collecting. Frank, thank you so much for that wonderful throwback. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening. I'm glad, I'm glad you just happened to tune in when I was here. That's fantastic. Although I will assume if you're in New Jersey, you're listening on WABC. So you are a longtime Kill Me listener. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate it. And I'll be, I'll be back tomorrow here. Uh, very quickly, 30 seconds, Brian on Long Island. You're on the Brian Kill Me show. Go. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's another way for them to destroy the middle class. I mean, you have, you have people that make the right decisions and, and work hard, so they put themselves in a position to, to own property and rent a property. And then here's the government, once again, coming in and, and taking away their earnings. There's, there's going to be more tenants than there's going to be landlords. So it's a, it, it's a, it's a panda for votes. They, they, it's what they do. They buy votes with, with free things. And now they're giving away the tenant, the, the landlord's money. You know, it's not enough to give away everybody, all the taxpayers' money. Now they got, they're going to dip into these landlords, these poor landlords. But it, it's, it's to get rid of the, the, the middle class. Yeah, you know, Gr- Brian, thank you so much. Great point there. What's going to happen from this is you're going to have fewer properties, and then there's going to be a rental shortage. That's exactly what's going to happen. So what's going to happen, government's going to buy all these things, and they'll become your landlord too. They'll just control everything about you. I'm Mary Welter. There's more coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. I don't think we're going to see lockdowns. I think we have enough of the percentage of people in the country, not enough to crush the outbreak, but I believe enough to not allow us to get into the situation we were in last winter. But things are going to get worse. Well, that bright ray of sunshine right there, Dr. Anthony Fauci on ABC. Things are going to get worse. Great. Uh, By the way, I'm Mary Walter sitting in uh, for Brian Kilmeade today. I'll I'll be back with you tomorrow. Um, We're not going to see more lockdowns, but things are going to get worse. Does anybody remember the good old days where we all agreed to this just to flatten the curve for 14 days? Does anybody remember that? It was such a quaint time. We were so innocent and so gullible. The government's not going to give back the power that they're they're enjoying this power now. Nancy Pelosi is like a drunk sailor with with power right now. She's out of control. You're, it's going to get worse. You're, there's lockdowns are right around the corner. Am I the only person who fully expects that? But I'm also, am I the only person who's had it right up to here with it all? Listen to this. In New York City, there's a restaurant called Balthazar. I was there once. 
no offense to Balthazar. I'm sure the food was good. I was there for lunch, but we were crammed in like sardines. You were so close. Like the people at the table next to me, I, I was like, oh, um, I think I got invited to a bar mitzvah for them because we were so close to each other. The tables were crammed in there. Um, but it, I mean, it was fine. Lunch was good, but I did go back because I don't like having, I felt like I was on an airplane. We were so close to each other. Well, they may start requiring indoor diners to show proof of vaccination. Mm-hmm. There's, there are other groups um, that said that they're going to require proof of vaccination, other, other restaurant groups in New York City and in Washington, D.C. So they say if it's legal, they're going to do it. Cuomo on Wednesday urged private businesses to, quote, do their part by refusing to serve unvaccinated guests and only employing vaccinated workers. In other words, if you have not been vaccinated, because, you know, my body, my choice. If you have taken the line of the Democrats and said, my body, my choice, and you've chosen not to get vaccinated, you're soon going to be made to shave your head, put on a sackcloth. Um, they're going to coat you in ashes and you're going to ring a bell as they parade you through the streets, clean, you know, screaming unclean. That's what's going to happen here. They're trying to make you a second class citizen. This is the power of the state to shame you. You know, you basically have to wear a sign that says unvaccinated, or maybe we could put some kind of mark on your clothing to show that you're unvaccinated and people should shun you. That's what's happening here. And remember, during all of this insanity, the same people who want to shun you for not being vaccinated think it's perfectly fine that there are thousands and thousands of people coming across the southern border from over 150 countries around the world. They're not being tested for COVID or anything else, and they are being put on planes with Americans, not having to show ID, no clue who they are, and they're being shipped all over the country, primarily to red states, which I do find interesting. And they're not being told they, uh, there was a hospital, there was a hotel being run by Catholic charities in Texas. And they were, they had a whole bunch of sick immigrants in there and they weren't illegals, excuse me, not to be confused with actual legal migrants, legal immigrants who were there. And they were told, you know, you should really stay here. Nobody's watching them. And they were wandering around the town and they finally found out about this because they were in a Whataburger sneezing and coughing and hacking. And the people were concerned. They're like, wait, what's going on? Because they know that this is happening right down the street. And they're not put under the same protocol as we are. And they don't care. They know nothing's going to happen to them. They got to walk right into America. But if you, as an American citizen, want to dine somewhere, you better show your papers. I don't know. I, I, I don't think I would show my papers. I, I'm, that really just strikes me wrong. I'm just not going to eat in your restaurants. And I have a little mental note in the back of my head. When this is all over and you want my money, Still not going to eat in your restaurants. 866-408-7669. Now, you've got Publix grocery stores requiring the people who work there to wear masks, even if they've been vaccinated. My grocery store in New Jersey. Go into the shop right. Love my shop right. They still got the plexiglass up. And I said to the guy who, kid's got the mask on, but it's down below his nose so he can breathe. And I go, they're still making you wear those? He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, it, it's worthless. This is dumb. I know it's dumb. We all know it's dumb, but they're still making me do it. And I said, and these things, the plexiglass still up? He goes, well, yes. And he goes, and he even said, these, these don't do anything. It's like the virus doesn't go around them or over them or through the hole where you pay him the money. This is stupid. And I think we've all hit that point where we're like, this is dumb. We jumped through the hoops in the beginning but if you're mildly conscious, you realize that this is dumb. 
those little cloth masks, those little surgical masks, they don't fit properly to, to filter anything out. Fauci said that in the very beginning. Walmart forcing all their workers to wear a mask and managers at Walmart all have to get the vaccine. Would you do that? If that's what your job mandates, it's get the jab or get on the unemployment line. Disney mandating vaccines for all their U.S. employees. But again, if you fly to Mexico, walk to Mexico, however you get there and walk across the border, no vaccine, no mask, no test, come right on in. 866-408-7669. But I think when your job is on the line, this becomes a very difficult choice for a lot of people. Let's go back to WABC. Peter listening in New York. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Peter. Good morning, Mary. How are you today? I hope you're doing well. You sound like you are. I am. Thank you so much. And I hope you're doing well as, as, I, uh, as I, well. So how do you feel about this showing your papers or being forced to get a vaccine in order to keep your job? Well, a couple things. First and foremost, I don't trust what they're telling us. I think many of us don't trust what they're telling us. If they force me to get a vaccine on my job site, I'm leaving, period. That's it. I'm done. I, I'm, I'm walking away. I'll figure something out. Maybe I'll take enhanced benefits from unemployment. But number two, for, uh, really more importantly, what I would really like to see is I'd like to see an international public debate with experts from both sides, vaccine aficionados and those who say um, no vaccines. I want to see all the evidence out there in front of us, not in bits and pieces like we're getting between the radio and all the different types of media and the, and the, the, the um, Internet. So I want to see um, credible people giving us the information that they have, and I want to see uh, a credible debate publicly. That's what I want to see, run by people who, who we trust. I want to get all the information out there. This is ridiculous already. Why are we battling this in our lives? This is, this is, it's outrageous. I'm not spending my money in the restaurants and bars anymore. I stopped. I refused. You tell me I got to wear a mask? See ya. That's it. If I have to order my food online and have it delivered to my, to my house, that's what I'm going to do. I'm really I'm, – I'm fed up with – I'm 56 years old. My kids are big. My 19-year-old took the vaccine, and I'm afraid because I've been hearing a lot of side effects. A friend of mine is a nurse, and they were told not to document many of these side effects by, the, by the, um, whoever the frig is in charge of the hospitals. And I'm, I'm afraid. I'm very afraid. You know, it's interesting. I, I'm so glad you brought this up. Thank you so much for doing that, Peter, and, and enjoy, the, enjoy the rest of your week. Here's the thing. I feel like Peter does in the sense that, remember during the Trump administration, they had daily briefings, and you had Fauci, and, and, and you had Dr. Burks. Remember her? She's gone. I don't know where she went. Um, but, but you had people from the CDC, from the president, from different, different um, agencies, and they all stood there and answered questions from reporters. And and you at least got updates every single day. There has not been one of those with this administration. And he's absolutely right. The message is so mangled and it is so muddy. And this one says, yeah, you do this. No, you don't do this. Then I, I think people are saying that I, I think people, citizens don't know what to do. And I think employers don't know what to do either. I, I think these restaurants don't know what to do. They're think they're, they're betting that if they, if they, you know, do these mask mandates, that people will come to their restaurant and make them feel safe. Oh, well, I, this is a safe restaurant to go to because everyone's wearing a mask, even though we know these masks for the vast majority of them aren't doing a darn thing except virtue signal. And when I know that, I can't play the game. I can't pretend like this is normal. Kelly in New York, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, Kelly. 
Hi. Hey, uh, real quick. I am an employer and uh, in upstate New York, and uh, we are desperately seeking employees. I have had probably 29 applicants in the last three months. I've invited them all for interviews. Four showed up. Four yep. were hired. Nobody came to work. And in New York State, you don't have to prove that you're looking for a job to get your benefit. So my point to you is if there and plus there's so much opposition, at least in our area, to the vaccine mandates, I'd like to know once they once those go through, who's gonna fill all those empty jobs? Because people are aren't gonna take the, the jab. They're just not gonna come to work. And you're gonna have even more unemployment. So what happens though? Why would why would these people make an appointment for an interview, come to the interview, get the job, and then just not show up if they that's not required for them to and keep their enhanced benefits? You know, that's a really good question. I don't know. It just I seems don't like know. a lot of work. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. It is. And, and well, it's a lot of work for the employer too. And a lot of, of money spent on recruiters. And job placement people is very expensive. It's hard. It is a hardship for an employer. And and I don't know what the answer is. I hear it all the time. Like I said, I was running errands uh, last week and I walked out of two department stores just because I couldn't find a human being to give my money to. Yeah. And there was no, the yeah. other thing is there was very little inventory in some of these stores. They look like they've been robbed. And when I could find a human being, they said, well, you know, the trucks aren't coming. They're no longer shipping half full trucks anymore. So they're only shipping when we have an order that's big enough to fill a truck, which is another part of this whole thing. Well, Kelly, uh, good luck. I'm going to be in upstate New York later this week. Looking forward to it. And um, I feel for these small businesses like Kelly's who are trying and, and they're paying. You know, like she said, I'm paying a recruiter. I'm paying this one. I'm paying that one. And you've got your federal government working against you as a small business owner. And this was one of the things that I really believe we miss under President Trump. President Trump understood how to run a business and he understood these problems. So this is something that would not, I don't think would be happening under a President Trump. I just think Joe Biden has no, Joe Joe Biden, who's never worked a, you know, a job in his adult life outside of government has no clue. None of these, these lifetime lawmakers know, know anything on how to balance a budget. They don't understand about profit and law. They don't understand any of it. And that's why I like having someone who's a businessman. I liked those four years because he got it. He understood it. 866-408-7669. If your job says, if you don't get vaccinated, you're out. And do you, are you okay with showing your papers to go to concerts, to go to the movies, to eat in certain restaurants? If you're not jabbed, you don't get the food. Is that okay with you? I'll get your calls coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 866-408-7669. Talking about more and more places of employment requiring a vaccine in order to keep your job, which I find interesting because... You know, they need workers, which is why I think Walmart is only forcing the managers to get a vaccine. 
not not like the rank and file, but they still have to wear masks even if they have the vaccine, which goes to this whole thing about, you know, the confusing messages. Well, why do I have to wear a If I have to wear a mask, even if I have the vaccine, what's the point of getting the vaccine? Now, I know I know that it, that if you do catch covid, it's going to be a less a less uh, it won't be as severe as if you didn't have covid. Totally understand that. But I wouldn't have to worry about the Delta variant, now the Lambda variant, if we had closed borders, because those variants are coming from Central and Southern America. Peru, I believe, is where the Lambda variant comes from. I think it's Peru, or it's the Delta variant. But one of them comes from Peru, and the other one comes from, uh, I believe it's Brazil. Well, if we didn't have people walking across the border and shipping them into my, my town, I wouldn't be subjected to one of these variants. So... I don't think this is about my health. I don't think this is about keeping me safe. You know, I'm a little skeptical now when I hear these things. Like, wait a minute. So I have to get a vaccine and I have to wear a mask in order to work. But I have to do that because you're exposing me to all sorts of diseases from all around the world because you won't close the borders. Hmm. I really don't think you're concerned about my health now. William in South Bend, Indiana, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, William. Yes. Hey, um, I, I just, the whole thing of that they've, people have been saying uh, about uh, our rights, I mean, they've been taken away. I mean, we don't have to tell someone that we have or haven't, you know, taken the vaccine. You know, it, it, it's it's getting carried away to where they're they're trying to do everything they can to justify. I mean, it's almost like they want to tear up, you know, the Constitution and start back all over what suits them, not the people. Yeah, and it's weird. You know, measles is incredibly contagious, but I don't see us having to show anyone that we've been vaccinated for measles. It's, it's every day it's something different. I mean, it's the whole thing of don't let any crisis go to waste, and they sure aren't. They're dragging us out with everything they can. You were speaking of before about the, the moratorium situation. You know, it's not helping anybody. And these people aren't going to get out of the hole, and, 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 and they're just continuing to give away more money, and, and prices of everything are outrageous. It, 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 it's just continuously their control. You know, yeah. it's interesting, it's though, William, you know, I'm thinking about this. and I'm looking at Disney mandating vaccines for for their for their employees, uh, all salaried and non-union hourly employees in the U.S. Uh, and I look at that. I'm like, it's not that much longer before you see Disney saying, well, if you don't have proof of vaccine, you can't go into the park. You know, you can't go in. How I don't know how much longer I don't know how the long period these restaurants and, and Disney and these other places are going to be able to deny service to non-vaccinated Americans because inflation's hitting, prices are going up, your dollar's not going to go as far. It's going to come to a point where people, these businesses are going to have to uh, either go under or accept people who are not vaccinated in their stores, in their restaurants, and at their venues, right? It's it's just a matter of time. And I think there are some va- people who are vaccinated who will um, not show their papers, because they, they don't believe in that either, um, but they will get the vaccine. And you're right. It's, it's, it's an infringement. I, I agree with you. I think it's an infringement on our rights. I really, truly do. Thank you for, for joining me. You know, I, I have the right to work, but if you don't, I guess, what if you're in a, what if you're in a state that's not a right to work state? Do you have the right to work? But this is how you, 
you shame it. Look, they did this. This is this is textbook Marxism. You take the people that are against the party, capital T, capital P, or against the government, which is being run by the party, and what do you do? You crush them. Look what they're doing to anyone who was associated with the Trump campaign, anyone who publicly supported Donald Trump, big donors, people who helped him with fundraising and things like that. They are going after them and finding one thing they did. And the the penalties are horrendous for them. Look at the people from January 6th who are being held in solitary confinement and eventually being charged with misdemeanors. Why are they doing that? That's so that we release you back into society and you go and you tell people so that they never do it again, that they never support someone who's not a member of the party again. They want to crush you into nothing. It's really, really scary. I'm Mary Walter, and this is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.